In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos free agency special podcast. My name is Ben Grant, joined as always by JB. We've got a a really jam-packed show for you today. The Argos have been very busy in free agency. There are guys that have left that we want to talk about, guys that have been signed that we want to talk about. There are guys that are still out there and we don't know what's going to happen with them. But JB, we've got to start this conversation off with, I think, the most important news. And that's something that is just uh, dropped in the last day, that McLeod Bethel-Thompson will not be joining the Toronto Argonauts this year. He is going to be taking his talents to New Orleans to join the USFL's New Orleans Breakers. So let's start right there. First of all, this to me, and if you haven't seen it yet, McLeod Bethel-Thompson on pretty much every social media platform has written not really an explanation but sort of a thank you to the cfl and i think it really clarifies for anyone that's confused as to why he has left or is taking this as a slight to the league that is not at all what's happening this is a family situation that is uh, going to be best for him to be playing in the usfl this year so jb for those that are uh, offended by this or see this as oh no the cfl needs to worry about quarterbacks leaving to the usfl that's just not the case no we we felt this was probably in the offing um really right after the season was over that uh, that McLeod was probably not going to come back, whether he was going to retire or he was going to to take something closer to home in the states. Um, I thought he handled it really well. I, I thought his, you know, his uh, Twitter thread, and I'm sure it was the same on Instagram, um, was, um, you know, really, really graceful. I, he, he thanked the league. Um, he, he, I think, he showed. Um, how much he enjoyed being here and and explained the decision so i you know i i don't have any i don't have any ill will towards him i'm not concerned that this is now going to be a competitor to the cfl i think the cfl still is the premier league over the xfl and the usfl in terms of money and um, an opportunity for guys uh, i think this is just exactly what it looks like which is a guy taking a job closer to home, and uh, you know, I wish him, I wish him all the success because uh, he's been really anything you could ask for from the franchise in terms of his, um, you know, behavior and and performance, and uh, you know, it's sad to see him go, but I, I, I do think you and I both felt that it was unlikely he was going to return this year. Very much so. We we thought that even from even from the way that he left for home immediately, you know, after winning the Grey Cup, he wanted so desperately to be back with his young family. And and it's not just wanting to be back, but he needed to be back with his young family. His, his partner has a, a very demanding job that's been talked about a lot as as the, the head writer for a Marvel series that's that's being worked on. And and that's part of this, too, is that her job is out of, I guess it's out of Atlanta and the USFL is all uh, stationed around Birmingham. So to be close to home like that is is perfect for for him. It doesn't really matter which USFL team he'd played for, but 
I guess I will be a, a New Orleans Breakers fan <laughs> yeah. uh, for this USFL I mean, season. Is, is, are those games even on TV here? Uh, I don't know. Maybe we can maybe we can <laughs> uh, you know follow the play by play on the internet or yeah. something like that. But no, I'm sure uh, I'm, I'm sure there'll be a way to to watch the New Orleans Breakers, and I actually will. I think I will watch to see how McLeod Bethel Thompson does, and I'll be cheering for him. I hope he I hope he wins league MVP. Hope he wins the championship. Um, he deserves it. I, and I think it's probably honestly best case scenario for the Argos um, that he, you know we get this really uh, smooth, graceful exit. He goes out a winner. Um, he gets to be home with his family, really nice kind of goodbye to everybody on social media. The Argos can now fully embrace their their inner Chad Kelly. Um, you don't have any competition at camp. Uh, you don't have any questions about, are we going to bring him back? Are we not going to bring him back? And so forth. Um, I'm sure Argo, you know, I'm, I'm sure they would have loved to have had MBT back, um, but this is a this is a pretty smooth deal for the Argos. I think they have to be pretty happy because the worry was that if because if for example and and I, I think you're right they would have liked McLeod Bethel Thompson back. I, I think he is one of the best quarterbacks in the CFL. I don't really think that can be debated anymore, though it still is. But they would have wanted him back because I think with McLeod Bethel Thompson. I have to think of the Argonauts as as Grey Cup favorites if he's the quarterback of this team. They just won the Grey Cup and their team is better. Um, and quarterback is the only position you can sort of debate. Uh, well, no, we'll get into that too because I, I do think there are a couple other spots. But I think overall the team is better. And if McLeod Bethel Thompson had announced in December, you know what, I'm returning to Toronto, I don't think Chad Kelly is here anymore in that case. I think if McLeod had said at that point, I'm coming back to Toronto, I'm going to be an Argonaut for at least one more year, maybe two. I think maybe Chad Kelly gets to Saskatchewan before uh, before Harris does. Maybe he ends up in Montreal. Who knows? But I think he I think he ends up the starting quarterback for someone else. Yeah. And so no, what I, was scary I, I, about yeah. what was scary about the delay is that if he had announced this week that he was coming back, well, now it's too late to deal Chad Kelly and really get anything for him. Would there have been conflict in camp? We don't really know. They seem to, they all seem to get along really well. So I don't want to like, I'm not trying to make any conflict up or anything like that. They, they had a, a really congenial relationship, but you've got a couple of guys that really think they should be the starting quarterback. That's, that's never great. And they've avoided all that. Yeah, it is lined up perfectly. I mean, it's here for Chad Kelly to take. And I know they would probably like to have somebody in camp who could push him a little. I mean, they've even said that openly. And that's going to be difficult to find. But for, for Chad Kelly, you know, here are the, here are the keys to the car. And, uh, you know, let's see how much he prepared in the offseason. And uh, let's see if he's ready to, to carry on from that uh, – you know, Grey Cup winning uh, extended cameo. Before we get on to Chad Kelly and Ben Holmes, of course, as well, let's just finish up with McLeod Bethel Thompson. There's two more things I want to address. One is just quick. It's that I know some fans were kind of raising eyebrows at the fact that he mentioned in his letter uh, NFL opportunity. And, and people had talked about uh, this being maybe a better springboard to the NFL than the CFL was. 
I don't think that anyone is saying that the USFL is necessarily a better springboard than the CFL. I don't know if it is or it isn't. I don't think it is. But I think what we can say for sure is that nothing McLeod Bethel Thompson could have done for the Argos this year would have generated NFL interest because he would have had to be here the whole season. You can't opt out mid-season as we had discussed at length with Nathan Rourke last year. And so it would have been for a year from now. Uh, and this way, the USFL finishes up before the NFL season starts. It, I, I think it's a really unlikely thing. It, NFL teams don't typically go after quarterbacks in their mid-30s, but it's way more likely this way than it would have been had he committed to a full year with the Toronto Argonauts. And not only that, he's done everything he could have done with the Toronto Argonauts. He just won a great cup. He, he was the... Uh, leading uh, passing yards winner last season, led the league in touchdowns in 2019. He's he's done these things. And if there's if that's not enough to generate interest, I don't think there was anything more he could have done in the CFL this year that would have. Now, I don't think it'll happen in the USFL either, but I just think it's, I think it is more likely, but we're still talking about a pretty small percentage chance. Yeah, there'll always be a bias in the States towards American leagues. Um, you know, it's the same reason why for so long they wouldn't even look at Canadian university players. You know, they wouldn't even look at somebody who had not come out of the American prep school NCAA model. And for a long time, they wouldn't look at anybody out of Div 2. You know, these things have broken down over the years as, as people get drafted and they're, and they're good. And they realize that you can draft somebody uh, from Canada who played college ball in Canada and they can be an NFL player. So, But that bias is still there. So it would not surprise me at all if he had a better shot, to be honest, at quarterback, uh, if he were to become the MVP of the USFL than the CFL. I think there are still some pretty deep uh, biases in, in American football toward uh, toward the CFL. Oh yeah, absolutely. So uh, I again, I wish him luck. I don't think that's going to happen, but but I think that's I, I think that's an afterthought anyway. I don't think that's at all what was driving no, this. No, and no. so so that's you know it's just uh, really a, a a different conversation. Yeah, he, he's he's going to be a stay at home dad, but he's going to get to play ball. So I think it's great for him. Exactly. Now the last thing on McLeod Bethel Thompson, and this is probably something that we can't really answer correctly right now this is going to be one we're going to have to do in reflection maybe a couple of years from now but well, i may answer it correctly right now what is it i think it's unlikely but <laughs> just based on our history so mcleod bethel thompson where does he stand for you all time in toronto argonauts <clears throat> quarterbacks like i don't know I'm, I'm kind of sick of the mount rushmore thing but you, you talk about the Toronto Argonauts quarterbacks, there, there's basically, what, five names that we're talking about. We're talking about Ricky Ray, Conridge Holloway, Doug Flutie, Damon Allen, and McLeod Bethel-Thompson. It's, it's those five. And whatever order you put them in, it's going to be those five. There's no one else, I don't think, that I would even have entering that conversation. Uh, where does he stand for you? Does does it feel strange that he's in that five? Uh, it does feel strange. I, I believe at one point I... I did refer to him as a pair of old work gloves. Um, that was last year. However, before the season, however, <laughs> I did, you know, stand up loudly for him during the year uh, and True. was convinced because he 
he became a better quarterback than he was in the pre-COVID year uh, where we reigned only over Ottawa. Uh, you know, he became a better quarterback. I mean, I'm, I'm, the, I'm willing to change my mind. He, he got better at reads. He got better at not turning the ball over in the middle of the field or in his own 20-yard line. Um, yeah, I, I probably have him fifth. I think that he was good. He wasn't here uh, as the starting quarterback for really an extended period of time if if he doesn't have a great cup you know i don't even know if you if he even enters into a conversation about being talked about as one of the greatest i don't you know i i don't i don't i don't think i can apply that term one of the greatest i think he's if you're making a list he is probably number five i think he was a good quarterback uh i thought he did well leading the team through the playoffs and half of the Grey Cup, uh, he, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm glad he was an Argo. I, I don't think the word "great" goes anywhere in front of him, in, in my opinion. And I think that it's, I, I continue to think it's so strange that for as long as the Toronto Argonauts have been around. You've got guys like Doug Flutie who played for two seasons in Toronto. You've, you know, you've got McLeod Bethel-Thompson, who was the starter for two and a half seasons, because one of them was a, a shortened season. And these are the guys that that have the records. Like, you get it with Ricky Ray, who was in Toronto for a long time. But then even Ricky Ray is weird, because his his, his Edmonton stats, that's a whole career's worth of Hall of Fame numbers in, in Edmonton and in Toronto. So it, it's just, it's strange to me that as old as this organization is, that there's no one else in that conversation that aside from Ricky Ray, most of these guys weren't really Argos for, for that long, weren't really Argos quarterbacks for a long time. So that's just, that's one that will always sort of get me. It is, it's unusual uh, to to look at that. But I, I mean, I guess it's not that different, honestly. You look at some NFL franchises, and you know there are a couple that if you were going to name the top five quarterbacks of all time, you would get into pretty shallow water by the time you got to five. Yeah, start with the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, you know, I mean, some teams have had you know a wealth, but I think that's. Yeah, I think that it is kind of a quirk. Uh, you know, I don't I don't want to speak, you know, badly of him. I thought he was a really good Argo for 2 years. You know, uh, I, I I wouldn't put him as one of the greatest, but uh he was he was pretty damn good. Let's get into the Chad Kelly conversation and what they do with the quarterback position from here. So let's let's start with Chad. I think it's important to note that McLeod Bethel Thompson's move, much like it didn't catch us by surprise, it definitely did not catch the Argonauts by surprise either. <laughs> they were not they were not blindsided by this move to New Orleans. They were ready for this. They were expecting this. You can even see it when you when you go back to some of those uh, some of those early interviews. I know Justin Dunk did an interview uh, with Coach Dinwiddie uh, at the winter meetings, and you go back and look at some of those quotes. And you can kind of see there, like in between the lines, that he seemed to, I don't know if he knew for sure, but it seemed like he was already kind of preparing for that. Because he he said some things that caught me off guard, like the fact that, well, you mentioned it earlier in this podcast, that that he would have to compete for the for the number one job. I think that had already been something that he'd made up in his mind, that Chad Kelly was going to be the guy, but he was going to still make him earn it. 
Let's talk about that part philosophically because I don't I don't agree with that philosophy in this case. I think Chad Kelly's not a, a rookie right out of college. He's going to his sixth year of professional football. He is turning 29, I think, before the season starts. And I, I think you treat a guy like that a little differently. I get saying about a 23-year-old, well, he's going to have to earn it in camp. I don't care if he's the number one pick, whatever. Yeah, I get that. But I don't think that's needed with Chad Kelly. I would say Chad Kelly is my starter. We're going to have a competition for the backup role. But Chad Kelly is our guy. And get everything behind him, get marketing behind him, get the team behind him. Everyone knows from day one, this is our guy. Why haven't they done this? And are they correct in not doing this? Uh, we, we have definitely had this conversation about different players. Uh, we have... Uh, you know, certainly I have also railed against this kind of coaching, you know, uh, tradition um, of of always downplaying things like that. And, you know, best player plays and it's just a, a nonsensical uh, smokescreen. He's your quarterback. There's nothing wrong with stating he's your quarterback. I think they should. Um, I think they should try and get him some increased media presence. He's obviously, um, you know, a pretty energetic kind of electric personality. You can see some stuff on ESPN recently about him. Uh, they should. I don't know why there's not a more full court press to to make him the face of the franchise. There has not been a face of the franchise in a long time. Um you know whether you're reaching down to Buffalo to get some Buffalo fans up, or or here in Toronto get them on, you know get them on the daytime uh, drive home uh, radio shows or or on TSN. Maybe that is coming, but I I agree with you. I think there's nothing wrong with with handing him the keys and and then expecting. And look, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. I don't think having somebody pushing you is going to make the difference. If if you're not good, you're not good. It's not going to matter um, whether you have somebody back there or not. I think you, you can either get the job done or not. I, I, I don't think he needs – I don't agree with that idea of having um, like a veteran quarterback because, of course, you're always going to lean towards the veteran. The veteran can run your playbook. The veteran's not going to make stupid mistakes. The veteran's not going to do things that a young new quarterback is going to do. It's an unfair competition. Uh, and I think it sets you behind where really I'm all for let Chad Kelly go and let's see what we have. And if, if you know, if there's nothing there or if it's not, it's not really, you're not really feeling it, then, then so be it. Make a decision. You know, you don't have to wait till the end of the year. Make the decision mid-year. That's kind of the nice thing about the CFL. You're never really buried. I am wondering about, well, actually, I would like to know your thought on who they do bring in. Because obviously you have to bring in more quarterbacks or at least a quarterback. They've only got two on the roster right now, Chad Kelly, Ben Holmes. I myself am perfectly fine with those two. I know I'm in the minority on that, but having had a chance to watch them at practice for a season and watch a lot of their film as well, I'm completely comfortable with Chad Kelly and Ben Holmes. I know they have next to no CFL experience at all. I get that. And I know that that's, I know that it's not ideal. I recognize that's not ideal. In a perfect world, they would have some CFL experience and we wouldn't be throwing two brand new guys out there. 
But again, they're they're older guys. They've been around. They're they're both 28. So uh, yeah, I'm comfortable with that. I think you need to bring in a third guy. But I was glad that Dane Evans was traded to BC today because I I thought if it got to a point where Hamilton let Evans go, that the Argos would have made a play from. They would have they would have picked him up. And I think that would have, I think that would have messed things up a little bit because it's like you said, he would have gone into camp. And I think there's a really good chance Evans would have looked better in camp. He's he's an, an experienced player. We've seen how good Dane Evans can be. But I think Bethel Thompson has the higher ceiling. I think he's the guy, ultimately the correct guy to go with, but it might not look like that in camp. And like you said, you'd be putting yourself, setting yourself back yeah. uh, if, if you made a move like that. I th- There is kind of this, feeling sometimes I think people have of well the veteran quarterback can show the young kid the ropes and that just it just doesn't happen like if if a guy's still playing ball he wants to be the guy on the field so this idea of veteran backup as mentor I think is overblown that if your quarterback is not doing the film study is not you know doing what they need to do to be a professional quarterback that is on the quarterback coach and that is on the offensive coordinator. And if they can't get it to happen, then, you know, then you move on. I I don't think you need a veteran quarterback to show how to do things. I just don't think that's, I don't, I just don't think that's true. I think it, you're more likely to, to slow the, slow the, the discovery of whether you have a quarterback or not. Um, I'm I'm more in favor of that. Of let's just see what we have. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be rough, and then we'll see. Okay, can can they make some some corrections as they go through the season, rather than having the training wheels of, okay, we're just going to go to the vet because I don't want to watch another <laughs> third down. You didn't see the safety coming interception. So who would you, or it doesn't have to be a specific guy, but what kind of guy are you looking for, mm. for a third quarterback? Like if you're yeah. not, so you're with me, you're not bringing in someone to compete with. No, with Chad. I mean, I'd, I'd love to have somebody really fast. I'd, you know, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd love to, to have that, that look. Um, if you can bring in a mobile quarterback, kind of a run first quarterback, I think that uh, I've always been a favor of that, of, of, of having somebody who, who can, whether it's on short yardage or, or just to give a different look occasionally to, to kind of throw other teams off. That seems to be a little more in style, this idea of, you know, bringing in a different quarterback. Um, that's probably where I, I come down. I, I don't need them to be, to be a veteran. I actually was interested in the Montreal backup quarterback before, uh, you know, like that, I thought that might have been a nice signing, actually. But I think there's a real potential in in uh, Antonio Pipkin returning yeah. to the Toronto Argonauts. Yeah. Like with, they, they've got one, they've maybe got one too many quarterbacks down in BC now. Pipkin has not, as of recording, uh, resigned with the 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 BC Lions. Uh, so he's a guy I like. I like Dakota Prukop. I've liked him since he was in Toronto. But it, that mold, right? Like I want a I want a short yardage specialist. And he can compete with Ben Holmes. That's your competition. You have Chad Kelly's your number one. He's getting 75% of the reps. 
and then you get Pipkin or Prukop or one of those guys like that, or you know, the, either one of those 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 kids in Montreal, I, I like too. But uh, there's availability issues there. You can you can get Prukop and and Pipkin might cost you a little bit more, but we're not talking about huge money. And so I, I would absolutely go that way. You can be with Ben Holmes for who's the two. And the other guy is the three, and that's our quarterback room going yeah, forward. I, I don't even bring in the other guys. No, I think Pipkin, Pipkin is a is a great idea, and I'm sure that that is doable, workable. It would it would not surprise me at all if uh, if that was the move. Let's get to the running backs, JB. A couple moves made. We're not going to go through every single guy that has been picked up and free agent signings from the States and everything else, but we want to highlight some key signings and some key losses. So let's talk about the AJ Olet, Andrew Harris situation, the running back room. AJ Olet has been resigned. It was reported that Andrew Harris was resigned, but we have not seen anything official from the team yet, which is is probably just a matter of time. You and I were talking about this earlier today. This is probably just working at some details. Maybe not, but how uh, yeah. do you feel I mean, about the potential of both of these guys coming back? Well, I, I mean, I've, I've, I wanted Olet back. You know, I mean, behind the curtain here, um, you weren't so sure. I was, uh, I was happy they brought him back. I thought he deserved. Uh, another run with the Argos. I thought he and Harris, you look at the Grey Cup, they are really kind of a nice tandem now that Olette kind of proved himself worthy of being a tandem. Now it is thunder and thunder. <laughs> so, we, you know, but uh, it worked okay. I mean, I, you know, I, we still don't really have lightning, but uh, who, I mean, it worked last year. Uh, Harris, you're, you're probably going to use kind of sparingly. And my, my guess is they're probably debating incentives versus guaranteed money uh, for an older running back. Um, but uh, I, I like it. I mean, you know, if, if, if Harris goes down or, or isn't able to go, I think you have Olette as your, as your starting running back. So I was really happy they brought him back. You know, I thought he, I thought he really showed out and, I'm glad he didn't have to go to another team and try and have to prove himself again. I think you want a staff that believes in you. So I'm, I'm glad that uh, that he came back. So I've got a, a bunch of qualifiers here. So I, as you said, I, I wasn't as sure about Ajolette. I, I didn't think the Argos should bring Andrew Harris back. But I want to talk about why. First of all, AJ Olette is a fantastic running back. There is no doubt about that. I think Andrew Harris even is still one of the top running backs in the league. So it's not about skill. That's not why I was saying that. And AJ absolutely has earned it. These guys, all running backs, all starting running backs in any professional football league deserve multi-million dollar contracts. They put their bodies through so much. What they what they're asked to do is not something human beings should be doing. And so they absolutely deserve all the money in the world. In terms of what I think the Argos should do, that's a little bit different because now we're talking about uh, money management and, and cap space and all that. And I'm not a big fan of putting a lot of money into the running back position because in the CFL especially, there's just not a lot of concrete evidence that the running game is the difference maker. Uh, it's it, there's not a lot of evidence that the running game is what makes your season or wins games for you in the CFL or the NFL for that matter. Now, where running backs are valuable, and this is why it was tough for me with, with AJ, because 
Olette and Harris are both fantastic pass protectors, and that is important, and that is something I'll pay for. I don't actually care that much how well they run the ball. Olette is a great ball carrier. He runs really well. He doesn't really have any weakness. He's, he's fast, he's quick, he's powerful. He's got everything. He's got great hands, as we saw last year. He exploited a few different teams. But I don't really care that much about that. I care about pass protection. He's great at that, and that is worth paying for. But I don't know if you need two guys like that. And again, they're, they're, neither one of them is, is inexpensive. And I just think both is, that's just a lot of money tied up in, in the running back room, if that's what happens. And again, I don't know the, I don't know the details. Maybe this is, maybe these aren't the contracts I think they are, but uh, I, I don't know. I, that makes me nervous, but yeah, in terms of deserving to be back, of course, of course. And I'm excited that Olette is there to, to especially to teach Daniel Adebaboya a little bit more about pass protection because he's a guy that I think could really get it. He's not there yet. He's going to be a good running back in this league. He's not the pass protector that AJ Olette is yet. And he, but I believe he can learn that. I believe he's getting better at that. And so I, I'm, I'm happy he's here for, for that reason too. I think Harris, I think if I had to guess, I think that they're, they're, they would like to bring Harris back at a very, you know, really a very club-friendly price. I think that with Olette, they basically have the leverage to move on. And if Harris wants to come in and be like a 30-70 running back, then that's great. But that's going to be, you know, a, you know, like if you want more, you know, let's get the band back together for a run, then it's going to have to be a really club-friendly price. That, that would be my guess is that the contract will, will not be – that much for Harris in essence they'll say you know if you think you can go get money on you know to be a bit blunt about it if you think you can get a big contract out there you know go to we'd like to bring you back but we want to bring you back at 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 this price which is um much lower than than Harris probably is is normally paid the value I see in Harris is his leadership. He was yeah, fantastic totally. last year. After he got hurt, how he hung around, he's still he's still out there helping the guys. He's still doing he's still doing meetings and film and and being a leader and bringing that uh, that group together. Like that's what I want. I want I want Andrew Harris as a coach for this season. I know he's got he's got commitments that he's already agreed to after this season, and and that's fantastic. I love to see that. That's a conversation for another time, but. Yeah, I would love him. I would love him in the building this year, but I, I just don't know that that you need yet another uh, experienced running back. You've got you've got AJ Olette. I think you you go like there's some there's some great names in the Argos backfield that I'm excited about. I I just don't know that another body is needed there now. The last thing I want to talk about with running backs is another guy that I am excited about, which is um, Mario Villamazar, who. The Argos signed, I think, on the first day of free agency out of BC. And this one probably didn't strike a lot of people because he was the backup fullback in BC. You kind of look at, you know, like, I don't know if I, I don't know if I know this player. I remember the name, but didn't really see him uh, do much in the CFL. JB, what were the two things that the Argos could not do last year to save their lives? <laughs> they could not block when it came to punt return. Yeah, or kickoff return for that or matter. Kickoff. Well, they're a little better on kickoff. I will give them slightly, that. slightly. But yeah, they're terrible with punt returns. Enter Mario Villamazar. Uh, he's 
immediately going to help in that regard. So it, on BC last year, now he's been he's been all over the place on that kickoff return team. Last year, it's kind of interesting to see how they had him last year. For most of the season, uh, he was opposite their returner. So still a deep man, but away from the ball. So he's, he's very rarely getting the kickoff. I think he fielded one kickoff last year, and, and he's not built for that. You know, he's a, he's a pretty big guy. He's not a speedster. He is a hellacious blocker. He's got really good instincts for it, always finds a good path, and is extremely helpful for uh, for the deep man, for the, the deep man on kickoffs. Now, um, and you can move him around too. He can play that fullback spot on either side. He can play the rattlesnake spot in the middle. You can you can play around with where you have him, but he's an asset on that kickoff return team. And he's even more valuable on punt return. Last season, BC had him line up as a defensive tackle. Uh, he could rush or he could engage and retreat and always found a way to pick up a block. Uh, got back there really in space it's so hard punt return blocking is so difficult there's so much room not even in the cfl even in the nfl it's such a a a tough skill and most guys just don't have it he has it he should make a difference it's not enough just him the argos still have work to do to fix that punt return team but he is certainly a step in the right direction so i'm excited about him i don't think he's going to get a single carry or a single reception but he'll be a difference maker on this Argos team. All right, let's move on to the receiver position, JB. Uh, Some money was spent. Curly Gittens Jr. back. Uh, That was expensive, but it had to be done. Had to be done. That was... Was that my number one priority? I feel like that was my number one off-season priority. I know you were big on bringing back Marquise Ambles and Boris Beattie, which, uh, and both of those things happened. Uh, we knew Winter McManus needed to come back. He came back too, but Curly was right at the top of that list and I think worth every penny, not just forget the fact that he's a Canadian, although that helps. He's a great receiver and the Argos needed him on this team to keep some some continuity. So he's back, uh, DeVaris Daniels back, Marquise Amble's back. Uh, the question is, who's going to replace Brandon Banks? He was released by the Argos. Uh, Juwan Breskison is gone too. Eric Rogers remains unsigned. But those guys didn't really get uh, much action last year. Brandon Banks did. And he was a difference maker in a lot of games. And he was the speed threat. I don't think they've got a guy on their roster who can be Brandon Banks. What do they do, JB? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I mean, I I would imagine the, this Z will probably run actual routes. Uh, but <laughs> now whether that will be less successful than uh, Banks' kind of freestyle form um, is, is up for debate. You're right. He, like, you know, if they put Brissette there... Uh, he is not a take-the-top-off guy. Um, he's not a get-lost-in-traffic, and now he's 20-yards-deep guy, like on some sort of like a deep over or a drag. Uh, it, it is a weakness. I think the Argos have gotten better at many positions. Uh, I'm excited to see what Brissett can do. I'm all for giving um, draft picks a chance to, to be something. And uh, so I'm, you know, it'll be... Good to see that, but it definitely <laughs> for it. To, you know, it, it's a problem the Argos had last year too. Is they do not have a fast wide receiver group. Um, I would not be surprised if they went out and tried to find a couple more burners who might be able to just run around the field like Banks did. And Brissett is fast on the clock. Like he he's run really fast forties. 
but he, he doesn't carry it on the field quite the same way. He's, he's not that kind he's of a good receiver. Pass that the yeah, it's was. just a different. It, it, the, I don't know if it's the buildup speed. I haven't really analyzed like where where his speed comes from. I haven't looked at a, a breakdown of his you know his first ten, second second ten, and so on. But um, you know he he does time a fast forty. It's just it doesn't. It's not that blow you away. Have to have double you know help over top. Um, really creating space for guys underneath. And we haven't seen that from him. Maybe that maybe that shows up this year. He hasn't had extended playing time. He's made some some clutch catches. I'm still remembering the the 2021 Hamilton uh, Thanksgiving Day game right before the Boris Beatty uh, game winning field goal. Like he's made plays. But this will be a chance maybe for him. Other guys they've brought in, uh, I'm pretty excited about um, uh, Aleva Hifo, who is fast. Uh, he, there's not as much, like I look at his, his film, he was the guy that I, I wanted to really spend a bit of time on because of his speed. I think there's potential there. He does have sort of take the top off kind of speed. There are other parts of his game that I'm a little worried about, and you don't typically see Americans come up here right away, step in, um, and, and take one of those starting spots. So I, I don't really think Hifo is is going to come in and, and be a starter at Z, but I'm interested to see him at camp. Uh, but I, I don't know. Other than that, I, th- I think this team is still missing speed, and I just don't really know where to get it from. I don't think there's a ton of guys that that you could go to and plug them in right away. And it's not like there are other teams in the CFL trying to get rid of, uh, you know, four, four speed guys. It, 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 well, I mean, thankfully it only seemed a problem against Calgary. Um, so hopefully nobody studies the Calgary film and we'll just continue to beat <laughs> Hamilton and Montreal with, uh, with our lack of speed. And the crossing routes underneath and everything that plays off Marky Thambles, like somehow that yeah. stuff works. But but Chad Kelly likes to go downfield a little bit more than McLeod Bethel Thompson did. You know, you saw that in his start oh, last year. I know. Like uh, he, he takes yeah, chances. He, he will does. he will fire it downfield. And I'm not sure there's gonna be anyone down there. So that that's a little I'm I'm worried about receivers. I, I think I love the guys that are in the room. I think they're short a guy because you're probably I don't know, probably is right. I'm, I've been wrong with this every time because Coach Dinwiddie and I obviously don't see eye to eye on DeVaris Daniels. <laughs> I, I think DeVaris Daniels is outside to the boundary. I think Ambles has got to be boundary slot. I, I don't think that will happen, but I think that's I think that's what should happen. And then I think you probably you probably got uh, Cam Phillips and then Curly Gittens Jr. And then, you know, uh, whoever's behind door number one as your, your starting five. But that's the key. They don't have that... They don't know who that guy is. He's probably on this roster, but is that you know is that is that Coxy? Is that is that Hadell? Um, is it one of these new guys? Tanner Gentry's got a, a resume, so he's another guy that's kind of exciting to look at. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to start off as as Brissett, like you said. You know, I kind of made fun a little bit of Banks, but there were definitely like two or three games last year that he single handedly won. Yeah. Um, so those, you know, that's that's the difference between being first and not first. Um, so I don't think we can underestimate, you know, taking banks out of, um, out of the, you know, the, the playbook and out of the, the scheme. So, you know, he, he, he was not a load bearing wall, but he was, um, uh, a very nice television. <laughs> Let's move on to offensive line. It's pretty 
incredible that you can lose Philip Lake to Saskatchewan. Philip Lake, probably one of the best offensive linemen on the Argos last year. And Justin Lawrence, an all-star center from last year, who's in Montreal now. You lose both of those guys, and I'm not even the slightest bit worried about this offensive line. I don't I don't know where they're going to put everybody. They've got so much talent on the offensive line. I feel really good about the starting five. They added Darius Sirocco. Uh, I think that's a nice move. You know, he can play on the interior. Uh, he, he can play center. That's I, I think that's really why he's there because you start looking at, well, what would they do if Peter Nicastro went down or if Peter Nicastro you know, can't play for some reason? Blake was that was the safety for that in previous seasons and and he's gone now and i i know i know uh darius bladek has has taken snaps in practice at center but i don't think in the last couple of years and beyond that ryan hunter same kind of thing now they don't need to worry about that they've got sirocco and everyone else is set you know you're probably looking at at nicastro in the middle you're you're looking at hunter and and bladek as the guards and maybe the left Left tackle's a little bit up in the air because it could be Isaiah Cage. I'm hoping it's Isaiah Cage and he's back and healthy and ready to go. Could be Tate. If they need to, they could put Hunter over there and bring in McKellar at guard like he was last year. And then on the right side, um, uh, Dijon Allen, which uh, went really well last year. So I love that offensive line. Nothing needs to be done here, in no, my opinion. It's amazing. I think you put it perfectly. To, to lose two players of that talent... And to still have really like eight deep at the line. I mean, I know last year got a bit ridiculous because they were like fifteen deep. Um, it, well, it, only at the end of the season because yeah. they had injuries. But I remember you and I sitting at practice uh, in in the playoff weeks, looking at all those guys that had come back were now healthy. And we're like, well, like who do you put out there? And, and clearly, look, clearly, coach is is fantastic at at. When you have a great offensive line coach, just keep paying him because he clearly is able to coach guys up. He's able to – you need an offensive line coach who can bar, you know, tape and barbed wire it. And 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 we've had that where they, they've been able to get by and now with everybody healthy, I think that line – just like the playoffs, I think that the line we have right now, everybody being healthy, knock on wood – can be dominant like winnipeg blue bomber dominant and it's not just coach sweet it's it's also the scouting staff bringing these guys in too you you look at like mckellar that's a combination of all of those things bringing in that guy i'm really curious to see coach his jump. develop him. i think it, i'm real mckellar is one of the one of the like probably three guys i'm really interested in seeing to see like can he make the jump to you know a you know Last year, he was a rookie, and a lot of stuff that was kind of you, you accept as a rookie, and the fact that he was able to hang on is amazing. Now, like, does he have another gear? Yeah, and it's tough to say, uh, especially you, you don't tend to see a jump in physicality with a lot of the Canadian guys. They're generally going to be a year older than what you'd see in the United States, where you've got guys coming out at 21 and 22. That's not typical. Uh, in the CFL draft. And so you don't typically have that same physical jump. There is a bit of a jump because as a professional athlete, you are working, you know, you don't, you don't have your classes to attend. You don't have all that other stuff going on. Uh, and yeah, there's going to be a physical jump, but it's not to the same degree where your body is still developing. But there generally is a bit of a jump in, in skill. And that might not be as, as noticeable, but 
it's just as meaningful. And so, yeah, I'm interested to see what we get from McKellar this year, too. But we may not even get to see much of him. No. And that tells well, you in a way, tells hope, you where we're know, at, too. Hopefully not. But, uh, yeah, I thought that's that's an interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, those guys, I mean, those guys, I think he'll definitely, you know, if, if he's your first swing, um, you know, if you if he's your first swing off the, off the bench, I think uh, we'll we'll definitely probably get some looks at him. Yeah, no, at some at some point he'll be in there, obviously, because uh, that's just that's that's football. Now, as excited as we are about the offensive line, I'm even more excited, uh, progressively so, about the next two positions. Uh, I don't know. I don't, this defensive line room, JB, just, I don't even, I don't have words. Talk to me about this defensive line well, unit. We've, I mean, I know it, would, it sounds, everything sounds so, so crazily optimistic, but I've been nothing but impressed. We've been nothing but impressed with their ability to bring in the correct free agents. You look at last year that the great cup winning team was built on the free agents they brought in for last season. You look at this defensive line, and um, and then we're, we'll get into the linebackers. Um, it it looks like the it, you know again to kind of take the idea. This looks like a blue bomber defensive line. Like that maybe maybe the plan this year is to be a little more aggressive because um, the secondary is probably a little weak, and I think this defensive line might be more kind of get after them Winnipeg Blue Bomber style than than we've seen um, in the last couple of years. And just like with the O-line, you've got big losses in there. Ja'Gar Davis is back in Hamilton. Shane Ray hasn't resigned. I'm not sure he will. Those are those are two pretty, pretty big name defensive ends. Uh, but, you know, Ray has been hurt. He's had trouble staying healthy. Ja'Gar Davis didn't quite look like the Ja'Gar Davis that, that we saw in no. Hamilton in, uh, the previous year. He was, o- but- he was okay, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah he, no, he, look, was, he, he was fine. Like he was, he, you know, he was, he was, he was fine. Exactly, like he was, but he was not. He was not an all star. But you add uh, Flo Romalade to this group, and this is this is suddenly lightning. He might be if you haven't watched a lot of a lot of Calgary, and I know you saw you saw the Argos get get demolished by Calgary once. Oh God, um, fortunately, game. I think I might have been the only one that took the trip all the way out there to see that. <laughs> But uh, the, and then the other the other game was closer. But Calgary's defense had some players on it, and I, I think Aromalade might have been one of the best players on that unit. He might have been he might have been one of the best defensive linemen in the league. Uh, I I know I, I I know that defensive line stats are strange sometimes because sack numbers don't always correspond with your talent or ability because sometimes it's teams paying attention somewhere else and yes they did have lemon coming off the other side yes teams are worried about about judge about thurman you know they had they had people to scheme for but oromolade is a serious player and he costs a lot of money but another guy that i think is worth it i'm so excited to have him in there because the flexibility it gives you like we you just mentioned the argos over the last couple of years, uh, and especially last year under Coach Mace, 
they didn't really go after the quarterback a lot because they had such strength in their secondary. And so you would send three guys a lot and just kind of contain the QB and slowly close in. They would sometimes generate pressure with four, but they didn't have huge sack numbers. That wasn't really what they were trying to do. And so you could still do that. I love the idea of sending three with Romalade and uh, Oakman in the middle and Robbie Smith coming around the other side. Like, I think that's a that's a pretty exciting uh, three-man team going after the quarterback where you can now drop nine guys into coverage and good luck throwing throwing against nine guys in coverage. And eventually, Oakman or Omelade, one of those guys is going to get to you, Smith. They're going to get to you. Or, like you're saying, you can, you can really stack it. You can show... You could put some of these guys in, like Jared Brinkman, a guy we never talk about, who's he's one of the best run stoppers on the team, and he can't even get playing time. Ali Fayed, same thing. They're so deep at this position. Uh, there's so much flexibility. I, I just hope Coach Mace doesn't get overwhelmed with having so many, so many exciting toys to play with because there's so many things you can do. But you can't do you can't do everything. It doesn't work that way. So uh, I'm excited to see what the plan is. Yeah, for, for you know, for, for those who are, who are listening, I think sometimes the Argos win these great cups out of nowhere, kind of like some kind of lottery or something that they have won. Um, <laughs> it feels like that some but, years. But this is, not, in my, this is not the case. That team that won last year was not a team that went, you know, 7 and 11 and then, you know, got hot in the playoffs and, and, and won the great cup. This is a great cup roster um when you look at what's on this team this is a team that is still very deep at almost every position um i'm you know i'm really excited because you look at this at, at this roster and there aren't a lot of holes to pick a little bit of wide receiver a little bit of secondary but this is a this is not like other years where like the great cup win came out of nowhere and then returned to nowhere um this is a team that is favored to win the east and uh you know i think probably only the unknown of chad kelly is keeping it from being the favorite in the league yeah i i have to agree with that like you and i both picked toronto preseason to win the gray cup last year because we we knew how good the roster was you know having been around the team uh, you know, so many so many days the the year prior we were aware of the moves that were made we we're aware of how close they were the year before and all the right moves were made. It didn't surprise us at all that they that they were there in the Grey Cup. So uh, that you know that's that's something you look at the lineup now this year, and we both believe this. I, I, maybe I'm speaking for you, but I believe this team is better right now than they were last year. But I, I do think there are, I think there are more questions. Overall, I think the team is better, um, but there are some important things. Like you say, quarterback is that, that's huge. If Chad Kelly can't carry this then yeah, there's going to be a problem. Or if the receivers just can't, if, if teams can shut them down with man coverage, then yeah, there's going to be a problem. Um, if the DBs get burned, there's going to be a problem. And I don't think we really had those concerns last year, but there's so many positional groups that are that are just ridiculously strong. Yeah, it's a really interesting, you know, from a fan perspective in that there are new, like last year we had, we had some concerns about the O-line heading in. Um, you know, like we have different concerns this year. Um, but, but then there are also areas that are way stronger, like exactly as you say. So I think it's really interesting because I think this team is going to look very different on the field, even though the roster is similar. I, th- I think it's going to be a, a different looking team. I think, 
I would be surprised if defensively that they were not um, way more aggressive, far less bend, and far more kind of dictate defense. And, and offensively, you know, we'll see what they do with Chad and, and how they incorporate him because he's, he's not McLeod. And I, you're not going to run McLeod's playbook. Well, surely to God, <laughs> you're not going to run McLeod's playbook. Uh, you know, with Chad, you know, that's going to be a very different offense. So I, I, I'm excited to see what this team looks like because they're good. Um, I just don't know what they're going to look like. Let's get into the strongest positional group on the team. And I'm going to, for linebackers, I'm going to include the Sam Backer, even though we normally group those that position together with the DBs, just for simplicity's sake. And because there's so many DBs to talk about in the next segment, let's put Sam Backer in with the, the Mac and the Will uh, backers here. This positional group is the strongest I can remember seeing in Argo's uh, linebacker group. So we've got... Enoch Mwamba in the middle, and we'll talk about how this is going to play out, how it's going to start, but you've got Enoch Mwamba, you've got Wyndham McManus back, uh, you've got Jordan Williams, uh, the Argos traded for uh, with BC, who is an absolute stud, and yes, he's on the last year of his, his rookie contract, but that was just a, that was a situation that worked out perfectly for them. He wanted to be uh, back out this way, and was in the last year of his deal, BC was in a position with Ben Haladik, uh, a Canadian who had played really well at the middle linebacker position. They could actually afford to lose Williams. And yes, it cost Toronto a first round draft pick, but the last pick of the first round. And we know that that is still, that's a, that's a coin flip at best. And the Argos aren't and in a position have, where they're desperate for Canadian talent also, right we now. We do not need any more Canadian offensive linemen. Right. And that's that's what you're looking for right. at that spot, yeah. typically. And, you know, there, there's always like one or two guys that everyone wants. But again, not in the last pick of the first round. So so that's that's a pick that you can you can give to BC. And that pick means more to BC having them having lost their own pick. And so, yeah, Jordan Williams, that's a that's a huge deal because, yeah, he's, he's one of the best middle linebackers in the league. And you're adding him to what is also one of the best middle linebackers in the league in, in Enoch Mwamba. And then. Chris Edwards leaves. He was the sandbacker mostly um, for the last few seasons. But they bring in Adarius Pickett, who might be a little bit better. He's different. Uh, they have, you know, Chris Edwards. I know we loved how he ran hot. <laughs> I, and I, am, I, I will always be uh, the defender of Chris Edwards. Yes, um, and I get that. I like that too. And I think you need a couple guys like that. And I'm not sure the Argos have that this year, or at least not yet. But Adarius Pickett isn't quite that. But but I think he's I think he's I think he's a, a slightly better player. And so I like having Adarius Pickett at that Sam Backer spot. So I think you've got four like absolutely top of the line starting linebackers there. But how do you get them all in the field? Well, I, I again I think. From a defensive point of view, um, I'm sure they're really excited. Um, you know, I'm sure Coach Mace is, is excited to, you know, really come up with a new system. Because uh, exactly that, you you have to get your best 12 on the field. Like, that's your job as a coordinator is, you know, system does not dictate, talent dictates. So you have to find a way to get your best 12 on the field. And whatever that looks like, if that looks like, you know, you know, three linebacker sets, or 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 what you want to do there. 
Um, I think you have to. You know, I think you have to 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 blitz more from the linebacker, uh, rotate those linebackers in and out. Uh, you know, maybe drop out a DB and uh, and go with the strength of your team because these you know they they are really um, an amazing group. I mean, we haven't even talked about. You know Hoyt and Kassar, who both were really good last year. Really. What about Jonathan Jones? Yeah. No. I, who came in for McManus and was amazing. Yeah. I mean, I. If anything, you you would think there might be even a trade, potentially. You know. If, yeah, they're just they've got so many guys, and and you can't have them all on special teams because they're going to look pretty heavily to the running back group to contribute on special teams too. You just you just can't. You're not going to be able to field that many guys. And right now they've got eight guys who have started before, seven guys who have started before it's good. Uh, at, at different times. I mean, so. and that's, I mean, look, that's, you know, it's show business. It's not show friendship. So for Hoyt and Kassar, <laughs> it's a little tough, I think, because now they you get bumped back down the depth chart. Uh, going to be a little harder to, uh, to, to, to get on there. They're going to have to fight for that time. At least both of those guys have tremendous special teams value, and so I think they're going to have. I think there's a, there, there, I think there's a dress spot for them. I just don't know. I don't think they're going to get a lot of snaps at linebacker, barring barring significant injury, because because of who they've got in front of them. So you know, we'll see how that works out. How I think the linebacker room will play out is, if you think back to this for, um, uh, if you go back to the 2021 season, remember Dexter McCoyle wasn't a starter, but he ended up with more linebacker snaps most games than anyone else. And I think that's what we're going to get from Jordan Williams. So I think how it's going to go is Jordan Williams, I don't think, will start. I think you're going to have, out of the Argos' base formation, their first down set, you'll have Wyndham McManus at the will, Enoch Mwamba at the Mac, and Darius Pickett at the Sam. But then in second down situations, second down and, and long, second down and mid, I think now you bring out a defensive lineman and now you put in uh, Jordan Williams and now you've got that 3-4 look. And if the team then converts a first down and a guy needs a breather, Moama comes out, Williams now plays the max spot. And then Moama comes back in and McManus needs a breather while Williams bumps over to the will because he can play both. And so you're always going to have two of those three guys on the field. And at the end of the day, I bet you Williams has just as many, if not more snaps than the other two guys, even though he's not starting. So I think that's how it's going to going to break down for the linebackers in that group and I, I couldn't I couldn't be more excited to see that positional group play and I'm not usually a guy that gets too excited about linebackers I know you are but this is uh this is a room I can't wait to watch and I would love to see some more blitz action out of the linebacker uh position and I think Williams probably brings that especially if you go with three linebackers that you play some games up front um that that's my hope anyways I'd, I'd love to see that that aspect of the defense a little more a little and that that feeds into sort of my theory that it's going to be more dictate play defense than than it has been because i'm not so sure the secondary can hold up in the final 20 uh, like it did last year Uh, yeah i don't think they're going to be able to and that's let's transition now to the secondary this is the group i'm most worried about Uh, a little worried about receivers like i said but you know, they're largely the same as last year. I just think they, they have some answers. This group uh, the, in the secondary, I, I, don't, I don't feel great. And I'm glad that I, I love our secondary coaches. I love Coach Mace also as a DC. I think they'll be able to put it together ultimately. But 
that doesn't mean I'm not nervous. So the pieces that are the same, you got Mechie still back there uh, at the safety spot. Amos is going to be one of the halfbacks probably to the field side just because that's where he has played. And, you know, after that, I don't know exactly how it's going to work. So the other halfback spot, is that Priester? Is that Carnell? It's, you know, it's probably one of those two guys. Traveris McFadden, you'd think, would be at one of the corner spots. Uh, but, you know, he he missed a little bit of time last year when healthy. You know, they had Chris Edwards playing over there for a little bit. They moved him around. It seemed like maybe, I don't know if they were, maybe I'm just reading into this. It seemed like they might have been upset with his play or they didn't <laughs> like how he matched up against some guys. So <laughs> I would love, I would, I would, I would definitely pay for a, a behind the scenes uh, documentary on the Chris Edwards season. Like on how Chris Edwards ended up playing corner. Well, just, for... just everything, just from beginning to end. <laughs> yeah, that would always be good TV. I'm not sure what time of the day that could air, but that would be good TV. No, that's my guy. And so, uh, you know, I, I do, I do like Chris Edwards. And without Chris Edwards, without Shaq Richardson, and I think I think that is a huge hole. Yep. Shaq Richardson, we both we both love Shaq, and and we have since he came over to Toronto. His loss. I don't know how I don't know if fans realize how big a deal this is because he didn't have a lot of highlight plays. You know, he had that that big interception in the Grey Cup, but he wasn't making highlights all season long last year. That's not that's not what he was being asked to do. He was out there basically captaining that cover four look that Toronto threw out there, which is which is a really difficult, a surprisingly difficult defensive setup you remember how many busts there were early on in the season last year as guys were getting familiar with what coach mace was asking them to do what um you know what what the secondary coaches were asking them to do and and Shaq understands it he's got a great understanding of the game he's a great communicator he was moving guys around getting guys in the right place and quarterbacks weren't throwing at him he was always in good position and i think I think that is a, a huge loss. Now, he may be brought back. He's still unsigned. It's not like he's signed somewhere else. But the more time goes by, the more nervous I get because I think this defensive secondary uh, positional group needs Shaq Richardson. I think if you bring Shaq back, suddenly I'm not, oh, I'm not nearly as worried. I still don't know what you're doing at corner, but I care less about that with the style of system this team plays. And whereas I, I don't know, I don't know how that's going to look without Shaq. No, I, I'm in agreement too because one of the things the Argos were really good at last year, and obviously Peters is gone, is turning the ball over and and interceptions and what we, I mean, we praised how deep that secondary was and how ball hockey they were and that the advantage of all of that and and to lose Shaq's knowledge and kind of coach on the field. Plus his his you know like the dog in that fight, you you want that especially on defense. Um, with Edwards gone, uh, you know I think uh, I I I really hope they sign Shaq. I think that he brings a lot. I think he, he he no at no point last year did he look like he couldn't do what they were asking of him. Um, I I hope they bring him back because I I think one more year of Shaq would would really help solidify what what is a questionable secondary i i think to be to be fair i i think it's 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 definitely the most weakened 
position from what was the strength, even though <laughs> I know they gave up a lot of yards in my report cards and people were wondering where my grades were coming from. But <laughs> even though they gave up a lot of yards uh, last year, it was still the strength of the defense. The defense was built on that secondary's ability to shut the ball game down in the final 20. And, uh, you know, that's, that's not the case this year. I think, I think they're going to have a much harder time controlling the ball in the air. And you remind me that I, I buried the lead there. I forgot to mention that Jamal Peters, of course, is not back because uh, he was picked up by the Atlanta Falcons. And so uh, that, you know, that that's the start of things. So, yeah, without Jamal Peters, without Shaq Richardson, without Chris Edwards. The law, is, that's are, a lot of ball oh. hawking you're taking away from that from that positional group. And a lot of fire, like we talked about in the linebackers section. I yeah. love the fire that Shaq and Edwards bring. Jamal Peters wasn't like that, but but he had some swagger to him as well. And he had some some really nice hits when he came up on flats, uh, running backs in the flats and just unloaded on them. He's a pretty big guy. So they are missing that. They don't have a ton of size for cornerbacks. And I think... I wish I was more confident in the health of Robertson Daniel because he's a player I love and he has had the worst luck in the world. He was he was the starting corner in 2021 in the very first game against Calgary. He gets injured and he's out for basically the rest of the season. He came back for the meaningless Edmonton game in 2021, but that was it. And then in 2022, again, he's out there first game of the season uh, starting at corner, I believe. And he gets injured uh, in the third quarter of the game and he's out for the rest of the year again. And so two full seasons and, yeah, he, and if he, he made if, it through one full game. If he can't go this year, um, I think you you go <laughs> you go from question mark to a bit of a red siren. Um, I know coach will coach him up and and. Um, I'm I'm uh, I'm confident that they can they can keep things on the road, but that is a lot of talent to take away from one uh, from one uh, section of the team. Um, it, it, at least a it's a group like we love we love Coach Fields, Coach Bell. Um, they they are miracle workers. They're great DB coaches. The fact that you've got two of them out there in the secondary. They will do what everything they can, but I just feel like I, I think they need they need another piece. They've they've got to have at least Shaq. So yeah. that or you sign Shaq, maybe, maybe I'm not they, as worried. Yeah, maybe there's a trade for a vet in camp. Yeah, but those are tough to find too. Like I was trying to think about you know I I I, I really like Sherrod Baltimore, but he just got resigned by Ottawa. I was thinking that might be a guy, although he's he's probably not the best just for the get, Argos come system. Come on, Argos, but, just go get Shaq. What are we talking about here? Yeah, that's call, that's the solution. Bring, go go sign go sign Shaq Richardson. And then we're feeling a lot better about this. JB, let's wrap this up with with specialists. Uh, this is our last uh, positional group. Uh, your man, Boris Beattie, is back. Uh, talk to me about how great that is. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it shows that he was, you know, pretty pretty average last year and still won the damn thing. Um, it's a, You know, it's great to have him back. Uh, he is, you know, money on the kicks that really matter. Um, he can do punting if needed. His kickoff is terrific. You know, he when it's like uh, you know, whatever they say about uh, you know, you don't need a good lawyer until you need one. That's the thing about a kicker. I remember the Swayze days 
You know, I remember having guys that couldn't kick the ball 35 yards. Um, I am incredibly happy to have him back on the team and to not, even when he misses, I don't care, to, to not have that position to be something that, that is an ongoing concern is uh, just such a, such a relief from a special team's perspective. I'm, I'm, you know, so it, it makes sense. I mean, look, they make good decisions and I think paying Beattie the money and, and making sure he's on the team is really smart instead of going down that road of kicker tryouts and God, that only ends and it only ends in tears. And as much as Beattie had an off year last year, most of his misses, the majority of his misses, I think all but two were from over 42 yards. And so, you know, he and he had a couple, I think three or four misses from 50. He had that very memorable 61-yard miss in Saskatchewan that got returned the distance at halftime, right before halftime. Uh, so like a lot of those. And then there was the the rouge to to clinch the the East where exactly. that counts as a missed field goal, but he's just trying to, you know, belt it out the back of the end zone. So he made, his stats were misleading. He made and and the thing he was out he was he was out of his mind two years ago. He was never gonna maintain that. Uh last year he kind of came back to the median made a little bit below. Uh, but he made the kicks he had to when he had to, which is what you want from your kicker. It's not about, you know, it's not a, you know, a fantasy football game where you are adding up percentages. You know, when it comes right down to it and the game is on the line, he's going to he's going to get it done. And that that's enough for me. And Tashiki Sato is is off to Calgary, and that that's upsetting just from uh, just from a personality standpoint. Great guy, I love talking to to Tashiki, and and I, I think they're going to love him in Calgary. I he was never going to get on the field in Toronto. That just never seemed because even in games that didn't matter, he didn't get on the field. So I, I just don't think that was going to be in the cards from here. So maybe maybe the new environment in Calgary will be good for him. But they are going to have to bring in another kicker, just even for. Just to have someone else to kick balls around at practice, you can't have just Boris Beatty be the only guy that that kicks anything at practice. So, um, you know, between he and Haggerty, uh, it's it's got to be it's got to be someone else doing the majority of those scout team kicks and stuff. Uh, what about long snapper? We've got uh, Max Latour is back at long snapper. He took over after uh, Jake Reinhardt suffered a, a what ended up being a career-ending injury. Uh, do you go looking for another long snapper? Is this something you you look to draft? What did you think of of Latour for the last half of the season last yeah, year? Yeah, I, I, I think fine. You know, um, I I, did, I didn't notice there being any really any significant issues. I think you don't need to overthink long snapper. I know some <laughs> some teams nominate their long snapper for awards, but uh, I'm not I'm not of that ilk. I think. You know, there. If it's if it's fine, leave it. I'm not. I'm not looking for Eastern Eastern special teams award winning long snappers. I'm not. I'm not convinced. Uh, I like Max Latour. <laughs> I think he was fine. I think Jake Reinhardt was one of the best in the league. Yeah. And there was a noticeable difference with with Reinhardt's snaps. They were beautiful. And most long snappers around the league don't have that. And I think until you find that, I think you keep bringing guys in. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with Latour. I think he's just fine as a long snapper. I think, I think he does the job. I would love to find another Jake Reinhardt. Maybe that's not this year, but I think you keep looking for that guy that can come in and just 
absolutely rifle it back to the holder or try, back to well, the punter. Maybe they'll try Jack Kassar there, and then he can be a weapon on uh, coverage. Yeah, they, well, they had him out long snapping <laughs> Nobody, a, a lot in, as, in as, 21. You know, as anybody will tell you, they never cover the center when it comes to special teams. It's true. He he is a weapon on coverage, but I, his his long snap, just watching he and, and Trevor Hoyt was doing some long snapping as well. And they got into a situation last year where they needed those guys, but they're they're just not a, at the level. Like Latour is a is a huge step up from anyone else on the team that also knows how to long snap. Yeah, but that's, yeah, I that's think probably they, enough long snap. It's probably enough long snapper uh, talk. So, JB, that about wraps up our free agency special. Uh, we are going to be back. We're not into our regular podcast yet. We will be back uh, previewing the CFL draft. And we'll be back after the CFL draft as well to sort of, uh, you know, bring that all together. And then we'll start getting into our regular weekly podcast. And then, of course, two a week as we get into uh, the CFL regular season. JB, we're getting closer and closer to feeling like it's... Uh, time for cfl football we're under the 100 day mark the countdown is on uh, but yeah i can't wait for it i'm already imagining myself driving to guelph uh well that'll just about do it for us on this episode of the x's and argos podcast for jb this is ben grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones i'll see you <laughs>